1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and basically what we're discovering right now is that, you know, the, the function of the church has to be supernatural. It has to be. You know, I remember one time, it was a Sunday night. It was a Sunday night service. And you guys know how it is. Sunday nights, there's not as many people here, huh? Because you, you guys are bad. That's what's... <laughs> For whatever reason, on Sunday nights... And so anyways, it was just a handful of people there, but one of the guys that was sitting about midway in the, in the, in the, in the seats, he, uh, my wife came up to him and started talking to him uh, for whatever reason, and then she, he told her that his daughter had been in a car accident, and she was in a car, and she, she ran uh, underneath the big rig, and the big rig just completely cut off the top of the car. And so uh, she ends up talking to him. That's why he's here seeking God, because his daughter had just been in this car accident, and he didn't know if she was going to live. So I find out, and what I ended up doing was going to a general hospital where she was. And when I got there, um, you, know, uh, you know, you don't know, like, what do we pray or, or what, you know, do you read in, in the Bible? And uh, and as I as I as I opened up my Bible and I and I saw Rochelle there, you know she was um, she was so swollen. I mean, I mean, is this? I could I still have that visual in my mind. I didn't know she was going to make it, but for whatever reason, as I'm praying, Lord, what do I what do I pray? What do I say? God laid Psalm 27 on my heart, so I began to pr- read it, and I began to pray it. But as I began to read it, as I began to pray it, her dad, who was there beside the bed, he was struck. And I don't remember all the details. I don't remember literally all the tears. I remember crying with, this, with her sisters and different things I had. But I, I, I come to find out, and afterwards he said, Pastor, she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. And, and, I, and I was like, why are you saying that? He said, because when I got saved and I got into a, a, a home, a, a rehab, they told me to find a psalm in the Bible that, you know, that would be special to me. And I didn't know where to go. He said, and I went. This is day one of being a Christian. I went to Psalm 27. And ever since that day, that psalm has been my psalm. That God would protect me. That God would be my light. That God would be with me. He said, and here, when my daughter is facing death, that's the psalm that you read. And he knew my daughter's going to be okay. And sure enough, you know, she was. And she went on, and it's really a cool story. You know, members of her family ended up coming to church and, and getting saved. And what a story it is. But, but all I'm saying is that that's the, 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 the thing that the church has to have is that understanding that God is in the details, that we, as we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, when we hear the voice of God, we listen. We listen to the word. We listen to the whisper. We listen to the voice of God. He leads us. He guides us. And it's just undeniably supernatural. And that is for all of us here, not just the pastors. Some people think, well, that's why the pastors function, you know. And so the rest of us, we're kind of like these guys in the football stand. We're watching these guys play the game. 
Uh, no, everyone here, let me tell you something. Yeah, I need the anointing of God in my life, big time. But so do you. Every single person is an equally important part of the body of Christ. That's you. Remember I was telling you about how my toe was messed up? And it's kind of cool because, you know, what I told you guys my toe was messed up. And so one of the guys, he text messaged me. He's all, Pastor, which toe is it? <laughs> I'm like God, like, God doesn't know. But anyways, <laughs> I told him, it's my right big toe. And he said, okay, I'm going to start praying. And believe it or not, man, it got better. You know, this last, last week I was able to run, I think, like six miles. And what a difference it makes if your toe's messed up or if your, your, your toe is better. And you might be here today thinking, well, I'm just a toe. <laughs> well, believe you me, we need you. We need every part of the body to contribute. You know, there's some that are visible, some that you can't see. But those invisible parts of us or whatever we can't see from the outside, that's, man, even more important than the ones that we can see. I'm here to tell you that you might be here and you might be more important than the pastor. I don't know how all that works, but I do know that one day when God gives out his rewards in heaven, it's not going to be based on whether you are famous or known or seen. It's going to be based on whether you are faithful. And this has to be a supernatural work of God. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. Who built it? If you can explain it, God didn't do it. It has to be God. And so we have to be open and we have to believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why we're coming to this place and we're kind of slowing down. Lord, uh, show us uh, what gifts I have. Show us what the gifts are. That way maybe I can discover and develop them and deploy them. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, notice again what we read in verse 6. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation, that means to make visible. Although we can't see the Spirit of God, with our physical eyes, we can see the Spirit of God with our spiritual eyes, right? I mean, it's like the wind. We talked about this. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 3, verse 8. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. We can't see God. One day we will when we go home, but until then we just see the effects of God. We see it like the wind. And what ends up happening is when the different parts of the body are healthy, then the body is healthy. See, the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, Paul said, for the profit of all. You know, it's one for all and all for one. Um, some see that exclusively applicable to pastors or, or worship leaders, but I, I think that every single person is instrumental individually and just and equally as important. And so it's critical that we all catch that vision as a body, as a flock, as a family, as a sisters and brothers, that we are others oriented. That, that you know, you have that gift for the profit of all. For that single mom over there, that's why you have the gift that you have. Or for that, you know, guy, that, that kid that doesn't have a dad. Or for... You know, the different situations that we find ourselves in, the, the drug addict, the homeless person, whatever the, the, those crazy situations that people are in, your gift is 
for them. You, because you're faithful, where you are planted, where you function, you will be used by God as a weapon, as a tool, as a vessel to save souls forever. That's what Paul is saying here. You know, it's, it's, it's the spirit, the gifts given to each one for the profit of all. You know, if you take that statement in context, the Corinthians were not understanding this because they were living selfishly. It would be like a, a basketball player who's playing ball only to win the MVP. There are some guys like that. There are some guys, they're in it for themselves. They're in it to score their own points. They're in it to make their own money. Some people live their lives like that. I'm in it for me or in, even in the church. But what happens when you get somebody who says, no, it's not for me. It's like, how can we make this team win? How can we as a church all become that part of the body that's healthy and we're interdependently woven together so that God is glorified and the church is edified and the world is evangelized. It's not about me, it's about our team, it's about our church. And that's what Paul is saying right here. The Corinthians were, and you guys will know as we continue to go through, they were all speaking in tongues. So you would go into their church and everyone's speaking in tongues at the same time. Have any of you guys ever been to a church like that where everyone's speaking in tongues? And, and what ends up happening, Paul says, is that's, they were just doing it for themselves. Watch, if you go to chapter 14 uh, real quick. I, I love what Paul says here. I think it's even a good backdrop for what we're going to cover in the next few weeks. He says in verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And so we're going to see that it's not just about the fancy, you know, gifts. It's about exercising those gifts in love. You know, some guys, they're very gifted, but they're not very godly. What you want is both. Lord, give us both. Give us these guys that, that love people. Give us a church that loves people. They're going to exercise their gifts because they love people. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And so the thing about it is that as you're exercising these gifts, it's not just for me. The whole reason I live is for others. It's for my wife. It's for my kids. It's for my family. It's for the church. We're part of a body. This is a local body of Christ. And that's why we, we do it because of love. Right here he says, verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And we'll get into the interpretation of tongues and things like that. But what Paul was saying is here, you guys, you're, you're speaking in tongues because you're enjoying it for yourself. You're edifying yourself. But we have to get back to the basic premise. And that is this, that the whole reason you have gifts is so that you can edify others. And that's what love is. 
And so back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says there in verse 7 that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And that's what we're talking about here. That's why it's so important that you discover your gifts, you develop them, and deploy them. So last week I gave you guys homework. How many of you here were here last week? Just out of curiosity. How many of you here weren't? No, I'm just joking. I won't ask you that. <laughs> All right. Uh, you remember when you were here last week? Remember I gave you a homework assignment? How many of you did your homework? I asked you to go home and spend time with God and ask him what gifts you have. How many of you here did your homework? You're terrible. I can't believe. <laughs> There's like five of you that did it. Okay, so this is why we're emphasizing that. What I, what I pray that you would do is you would go home, spend time with God, and just somehow during the week say, Lord, show me what, what gifts I have, what role I have, what responsibilities I have, because it's not just about me. The reason I need to discover these things is for others. That's why it's not just for you. It, it's for others, and that's what he's saying right here. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. He's given us all gifts. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, other places we all have gifts, and we just have to find out what they are. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, you guys, in, in, uh, in, our, in our church. Now, I came across this quote by A.W. Tozer. It says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Why is that? Because back then, it was just all the Holy Spirit. I mean, they didn't know what to do. They didn't have the machine. They didn't have the routine. We do. And if we're not careful then we can fall into the rut of religion and not have a relationship with God in which he speaks to me. And he leads me and he shows me, this is where I want you to be and this is my anointing on your life. And so what we need is, are, are the gifts of the Spirit. We need to know what role we play. We need to discover, develop, and deploy. Uh, look again right here, the, the gifts that he mentions in, in verse 7. He says, the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge. And so the word of, of wisdom is, is direction. How many of you guys need directions? How many of you guys here refuse to pull over and ask for directions? <laughs> I know where I'm at, honey. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's all part of the plan, the taking the scenic route. Well, how about if we ask God for direction, divine direction? Lord, what do you want me to do? And I'm not just going to play that prayer. I am going to pray that prayer. I'm going to ask God, living God, speak to me. What do you want me to do? Guide my life. And he will, and I've seen it. People seeking the Lord. Sometimes it's in their daily devotions. Other times it's a word that's given supernaturally, but you just know it's the Lord. I remember one of the times when we were praying about coming into this building right here, we were uh, at that point meeting at Mountain View Park for our Sunday services, and then we had a little office on Garvey. And so we were here, and we had to make a decision the next day as far as whether or not we were going to come into this building and make that step of faith. And I remember we met with all the pastors and all their wives, 
And we were praying and we were asking God for direction, but there was no concrete conclusion. We didn't know what to do. And so the burden was on me. You're the pastor. You have to make the decision, right? And that's okay. I still didn't know what to do. But before the night was over, I remember uh, one of the, the sisters, she came up to, to me and she just gave me a little note. It was scribbled with simple words conveyed with confidence. And she gave me a little note and she said, here. And all I can say is that it was just the right word at the right time, communicated in the right way. It was a word of wisdom. It was guidance from God. That little note, that little word, it tipped the scales. So that I knew, okay, God, you are guiding us to come in here. It was a word of wisdom. It didn't come from me. It came from someone else. And that's why I'm trying to tell you guys, we need each other. And sometimes the Lord will put something on your heart, or something to share, a little note, a little scripture, and it's just, that's all the difference in the world. And of course, we talked about how we test everything that people say, but man, we have to know there is the, the word of wisdom, there is the word of knowledge. Remember how that was exercised in the book of Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira had sold the house for a certain amount of money, and then they came before Peter, and Peter said, how much did you sell the house for? I'm just curious. They're like, oh, we're giving it all to the Lord. You weren't giving it all to the Lord. You didn't have to give it. You didn't have to say this. Peter's like, why are you guys trying to be like this? And the Lord showed him. It was a word of knowledge. You say that you sold the house for $200,000 and you're giving us all the money because you want to make yourself look good. When in all reality, you sold the house for 300000 and you're keeping 100000 for yourself. How dare you test God? And, and what happened? They died. He died, and then his wife died. Why? Because Peter had a word of knowledge. Thank God, you know, people aren't dying like that. But it can happen, right? I mean, these are things that we see. The word of wisdom. How many of you would like that word? I would love have that that gift okay first corinthians 14 it says pursue love desire gifts pray for it i was talking to the one of the young guys on thursday night after service he said i'm praying for this gift you know i, I would encourage you discover what gifts you have that's cool but pray for gifts maybe the lord's given you a desire you know to be a pastor well let me tell you something that's a, that's a hard calling it's a sacrificial calling your family's going to have to sacrifice. There's a lot of spiritual opposition involved. A shepherd's work can never be done without a shepherd's heart, but God can give you that gift. Pray for it. If that's what you desire or the word of wisdom, pray for that. Pray that God would give you that word of knowledge. The Lord will show you, you know, what to pray for. I love this next gift that he mentions here in verse 8. He says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. How many of you here would like the gift of faith? That, man, I'm telling you guys, this is such an amazing gift. Okay, this is after you're saved, okay? We're already saved by faith. The Bible talks about that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, right? But, but this is beyond the saving faith. This is what theologians would call special faith. 
one uh, person, Donald Gee, he defines it as this, a particular manifestation of the Holy Spirit granted only to certain individuals and not bestowed upon all equally, it would seem to come upon certain servants of God in times of special crisis and opportunity in such a mighty way that they are lifted right out of the realm of even natural, ordinary faith in God and have a divine certainty put within their souls that triumphs over everything. I mean, you, you're around these people. It's just so cool to see them. We're going to see with certain gifts, number one, it's not for all. Number two, even those who possess it don't always see the fullness of that function. Um, for example, prophecy, they're, they're not always speaking prophetically. You might have that gift. There will be times when it comes out and manifests, right? And so uh, when it comes to faith, this person is not tortured or riddled with doubt. And then their motto is, God said it, that settles it. And they have this strong faith, right? I hope we all have people like that in our lives who are just, you know, they're strong in the faith. They're such a blessing to be around. They have confidence in their creator, you know, because they say it only takes a little faith to take us from earth to heaven, but it takes great faith to bring heaven to earth. And when you're around people who have that great faith, it's almost like you're in heaven because they just believe. You know, if you have this gift, can my wife and I have lunch with you, if that's okay? Because <laughs> I just love being around people like that. They're not overly critical. They're not constantly questioning everything. They're not quenchers. They're believers. They're just believers. They take God at his word. And that's what faith is. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's when they hear the voice of God and they believe whether it's written or whether it's whispered into their heart. They hear the word of God and they believe because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not faith in faith. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's not me creating my own reality through my own thoughts that I think or words that I speak. No, it's me hearing God's word and believing and behaving accordingly. You know, sometimes it's hearing God's word objectively. You're going to be reading your Bible I would say this, that, man, that's probably one of the most important things to do. You feed your faith, starve your doubts. If you're here and you've been struggling in your faith, you've been struggling in your walk, I'll bet you almost anything that you have not been reading the Bible the way you should. Now, it's not always like that, but for the most part, when you read your Bible with an open heart, there will be power. We're going to see that in the life of George Mueller. He was a man who read the Bible 200 times in his life. He read the Bible 100 times while on his knees. That's why God did such a great work through George Mueller. He ministered to, he supported 10,000 orphans, all by faith, because he was strong in the faith. He's an example of that. You know, I think another example of that is Nehemiah. And the interesting thing about Nehemiah, if you read Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12, it's just something that God put in his heart. You know, he had heard that the children of Israel were in Jerusalem, that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. 
And he knew that that was a reproach to God's name and that God's people were not protected. And so he heard about that. And for four months, he started praying and fasting. Think about that for four months. And so now we're on this journey. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way I do, but it's time to pray and it's time to fast. I want to see God move. I want to see miracles. I want to see gifts exercised. I want to see your body healthy. It's not going to happen if we don't get on our knees. I want to see the prodigal children come back. Not going to happen. I want to see the homeless find a home. The chains broken, the drug addictions, the porn addictions. You want to see that happen. We see it. The walls are broken down, right? So four months he's praying and fasting. And then we read in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 12 that when he went to Jerusalem, God had put something in his heart. So it wasn't like written per se, it was whispered in his heart. And that's how he was able to have the faith to, to leave his comfort zone, to go to Jerusalem, to inspire a people that, who were not inspired, to try to wake these people up and get Jerusalem going. And then, not only that, to fight all the forces of hell that came against him, all the opposition he experienced from Sanballat and Tobiah. And what ended up happening in 52 days, they built the walls. How did he do it? It was by faith. He believed. You know, I was thinking about the other day how we had a mom who came up and asked for prayer because her daughter was facing murder charges. It was a crime that was committed here in the city of Almani. Put yourself in her shoes for a second. Your daughter, the police have contacted you as the parent, your daughter is facing murder charges. What would you do? You know, I was, I was kind of like taken back by this mom. You know, we know what she did? She said, no. No, I won't believe that about my daughter I don't care if the police have called me and told me that she's facing murder charges I refuse to accept this in Jesus name and she began to fight in prayer and she you know as a pastor you're even wondering man well is that the way you're supposed to approach it I mean we got to live in the real world here and, and everything and you know but but see the reason why we don't know for sure is because I didn't hear the word that she heard she heard a word from God that said no, and she believed. And you know what ended up happening? Find out a few days later that the individual they thought was dead wasn't dead. And come to find out, you know what ended up happening? The individual that was attacked, yes, by the daughter, ended up having a dream from God. And so this individual who was a victim went to her house, this mom's house, this believing mom's house, this mom who had such an amazing faith. He went to the mom's house and he said, they're telling me to press charges, but in my dream, God told me not to. How did that happen? Faith. You see how it changes everything? How will you believe for your family? How will you believe for your church? How will you believe for your kids? You know, I think we all can have a greater faith. Faith is like a muscle that is built up, kind of like my biceps. I need a lot of work, but 
but it's also like, Lord, it's a gift that we can have. Lord, give me faith. I would love to have that faith. I want to be like George Mueller, who cared for over 10,000 orphans during his lifetime, who was instrumental in providing educational opportunities for thousands of orphans, who had 117 schools, offered education, Christian, to over 120,000 students who traveled over 250,000 miles before airplanes were invented or given. And then this guy at 71 years old is still going 100 miles an hour at 71 years old. And one day they asked his wife, they said, how, how does he have so much energy? And she said, with every spare moment he has, he's in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to be the case for you. I don't know how it's going to be for you, but I tell you what, I think we should be in the Bible more. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you're home and all you want to do is watch a movie or make a guess of the, all you want to do <laughs> is just kick back and God is just saying, you want to see a miracle happen? Open up your Bible, and you open up your heart. You know, what we find, George Mueller, if you guys ever get a chance, there's a great book that we have by him. It's his autobiography. I read it a while back and changes so many of our lives. This book has been influential in so many lives of people because in one sense, it's kind of like Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith, and you see God is still alive and God is still speaking, God is still working. Here's a guy who at the age of 25 years old had so much faith, he refused to take a salary from that point forward. And he said, God will provide. And he did. You, you have right here, verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. And I'm pretty sure most of us here, if there's one gift we could choose, it would probably be this one, huh? When you see those that are sick and suffering, and if you could just lay hands on them so that they would be healed, pray for this gift. Like I said earlier, there's a young man who's praying, Lord, this is a gift that I would like to have. Now, does that mean that if you have the gift of healings, that everyone you pray for is going to be healed? No, because First John chapter 5, verse 14, it says that, uh, the confidence that we have is that if we ask anything according to his will, then he heals, he hears us. And so this is divine supernatural ability to heal diseases and infirmities without natural means. We see Paul exercising it in the book of Acts, but oftentimes he was there not able to heal everyone. Like, for example, Erastus, who was left sick in 2 Timothy 4.20, he's mentioned, and then in 1 Timothy 5.23, uh, Timothy's stomach, uh, he said you need to use medicine, uh, medicinal purposes, take a little wine for that. He then talks about his own thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, in which he asked God three times that God would take it away, that God would heal him, and God said no. But does that mean that we throw out the baby with the bathwater? Does that mean that people don't get healed? I mean, they do. I mean, I've told you guys before, some of you guys have experienced it. One time my wife and I were praying over a lady. She had a fever. We prayed, and then boom, instantly the fever was taken away. That's just a little thing. Another time we were praying for a gal who was going in for surgery on her shoulder. She was an older lady. Um, she lives in Arizona now, but she's still alive. She's still around. Next day they went for the 
surgery and said, you know what, we don't know what happened. You don't need surgery. She was divinely healed. Do I have the gift of healings? No. Most of the time, people get worse when I pray for them. <laughs> but some people do. Some people do. My wife's grandmother had the gift of healing. Uh, Sharon Reese's grandfather, Grandpa Cobb, had the gift of healing. You might have it. Imagine if you did. Imagine if you're here today and you have the gift of healing and you don't use it. We're going to get you. No, I'm just trying. <laughs> you got to discover your gifts, develop and deploy them. How would you discover the gift of healing? Well, God would just open doors and you start praying for people by faith. You don't quench the spirit. You're not a doubting disciple. You know, you're not putting out that fire. You're here and saying, no, the gifts are for today, and God can give me that gift. And then you start praying for people, and I'm not saying that all of them get healed, but more get healed because you have that gift. All I'm saying is that this is what the church does. What ends up happening when people get healed? A lot of times what happens is God uses those miracles to, to bring people to faith. I mentioned to you guys about John Chacon, and some of you guys know John Chacon. That's how he got saved, because he, he was deathly ill. They didn't know what to do, and so they heard this Christian person on the radio talking about healing. They took him to that person, and John got healed. His whole family got saved. That's why in the Gospel of John, we don't have the word miracle. In the Gospel of John, we have the word signs. Because what it is, when these things happen, it's a sign for the whole world, reminding us that God is still alive. God is real. And as we begin to exercise these gifts, it's so cool what God does. I'm not talking about these weird guys on, on TBN. Some of them are weird. You know, those charlatans who all go to the same hairdresser. I'm not talking about them. <laughs> you can always ask. You can always find out when they're off because they start asking for money. Listen, when they start asking for money, you tell them, hey, man, freely I receive, freely I give. It doesn't work like that. And that's how you can tell the difference. When someone really loves and cares, they do it out of the kindness of their heart. They're not doing it for money. And so I just pray, you know, as we're here today, that we would know that the Holy Spirit is, is a fire. The Holy Spirit is this wind that wants to blow. He's a person with power. That we all have gifts. My prayer, I know life is busy. I know you guys have to go to work and clean the house. Well, some of you. Um, <laughs> some of you don't, and that's okay. But, but somehow during this time, during this season as a church, my prayer is that we wouldn't go through it and then, you know, we're on the, you know, the races of the next book, and we never really found out where my part was. You know, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you're not a Christian, none of us know where you have tomorrow. Are you right with God? If you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? If not, the Lord is here today because he loves you. He brought you here today because he loves you. Jesus did all the hard work by dying for you. 
All you have to do is believe. It's all you have to do. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. And when you pray that prayer and you cry it out from your heart, not a religion, but a relationship, you give your life to Christ, then today I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt by the authority of God's word that God will write your name in the book of life. And when you die, you go to heaven. From this moment on, God will come into your life. But you have to make that decision. And so if you haven't, I pray that you would do that.